Good morning, church. Good morning, West Bowles. Glad you are with us today. Thanks for taking some time out of your weekend to be here with us, especially if it's your first time or your first time in a long time. You are our honored guests. We are so happy that you uh, joined us today. There's a connection card. Hopefully you were handed one of those on your way in. Fill that out for us. Turn it into the I'm New table in the foyer. We'll get you a bunch of information about this church, uh, a free gift for showing up today, uh, just a little token of our appreciation uh, for you being here. Uh, Today's an exciting day for this church. It's already been a great morning, and uh, we're hoping and praying for more of the same. Uh, Today, we're wrapping up our 13-week sermon series called Limitless, a series on the Holy Spirit. But more than that, uh, today has been a day that we have prayed for for a while. It's been a day that we have set aside a service that we have designed so that you can hopefully experience the power of the Holy Spirit yourself in a really fresh way new and exciting way. You see, 2,000 years ago, on a Sunday, today actually, Pentecost Sunday, the Spirit of God broke in and broke out in a way the world and the church had never seen before. And our hope and our goal and our prayer for this morning is that the same thing would happen for us right now in this moment. It happened 2,000 years ago on this day, and we're going to pray that it happens today. So let me start us in a prayer, and we're going to dive right into it. God, Uh, A lot of us come here for different reasons, and I'm glad for that, Lord. Um, Some come to see family and friends. Some come out of tradition and habit. Uh, Some come to get out of the house. Uh, Some come to sing. Some come to get some free child care for an hour or two and a little break from the kids. Uh, We all come for a different reason. But our hope and our prayer, God, this morning is that no matter what brought us here, that we would experience you and your spirit while we're here. Our prayer is that we would have an encounter with you, that you would go from an idea or a thought or a concept into a very real being that we can have a relationship with. We pray that you will move and blow through this space in ways that are undeniable, in ways that we look back on and remember, maybe for the rest of our lives. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little boy was uh, visiting the Butterfly Museum here in Denver. Anybody ever gone to the Butterfly Museum up north? It's a great venue, man. A great afternoon to spend well, he and his family looked at all the different bug exhibits, right? They even held Rosie, the tarantula, got the sticker to go with it. And then they went into that main pavilion space where the butterflies fly around freely. It's a pretty exciting, pretty overwhelming space. And the little boy was a little overwhelmed by it all. Wouldn't you know it, a butterfly actually came, fluttered, and landed right on his shoulder. Well, he didn't know what to do, so he just started screaming out, It's on me! It's on me! And the mom went over to him and tried to calm him down and said, it's okay, it's supposed to be on you. Well, the boy looked at his mom and looked up at all the butterflies. He closed his eyes and he put his arms straight in the air and he said, bring it on. See, we laugh at that little boy, but I wonder how many Christians initially feel the same way as it pertains to the Holy Spirit. Oh no, it's on me. It's on me. Well, church, he's supposed to be. He is designed to be on you. And more than that, the Holy Spirit of God himself, the life, the breath, the power, the presence of God, not just on you, it's designed to reside in you. He wants to take up residence inside of you. And my hope is that by the end of the morning, either physically, symbolically, metaphorically, whatever other illies are out there, that you will raise your hands as well. And you will say to the Holy Spirit and to God himself, bring it on. Bring it on, God. Bring on your spirit. 
Because you see, when you do that, when you say that, you are never the same again. And I can say that with great authority, with great confidence. That's exactly what happened to the first church in Acts chapter 2. They told God to bring it on, and he did not disappoint. We're in Acts chapter 2 this morning. Um, About 120 disciples have gathered together. Actually, tens of thousands of Jews have gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate a religious festival called the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of the Harvest. See, the Jews are known for a lot of different things, aren't they? Well, they should be known because they know how to throw a good party. They had seven major festivals, seven major feasts throughout the year, some lasting up to 50 days. Makes Memorial Day seem kind of lame, doesn't it? Like, we get a day? Come on. How about Memorial Month? So they're celebrating the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of the Harvest together. And on this one particular holiday, you had to go to Jerusalem to celebrate it. All the Jewish males were required to take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So a bunch of people are in the city. And included in that bunch, included in that mix, are the 120 disciples of Jesus. Now on this particular day, on this particular festival, you've been celebrating for 49 days. You've been celebrating what God has done in the past. You've been celebrating that he always provides life for you in the present. You've been celebrating the harvest, that God takes care of you, that God knows you, that he sees you, and that he loves you. You've been celebrating that for 49 days. And on the 50th day, the day of Pentecost, the celebration kind of comes to an end. See, Pentecost means 50 which makes sense given this is the 50th day of the celebration or the 50th day since Passover. But don't get all bogged down with all the mathematics here. I want you to focus on the meaning. The 12 disciples, along with about 120 of their closest friends, they are gathered together in in one room called the upper room, and they're probably celebrating the Feast of the Harvest. But they're also doing what Jesus told them to do before he left for good. He said, bow down before heaven and lift your prayers to heaven. And that's exactly what they're doing. They are lowering their heads to heaven and lifting their hearts to heaven. And suddenly, in that moment, during this feast, on this day of Pentecost, as they're crying out to heaven, heaven breaks out. Heaven bursts loose. Check this out. When the Feast of the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, Aren't these the Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joked, they're drunk on cheap wine. That's when Peter stood up and backed by the other eleven, spoke out with bold urgency. 
fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billowing smoke. The sun turned black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to meet God will be saved. So you tracking so far? They're together for the Feast of the Harvest, the Feast of the Weeks. It's the 50th day, the day of Pentecost. They're crying out to heaven for God to show up and for God to move in powerful ways, and he doesn't disappoint. And that word, thunderstruck, I just love that word. When was the last time you were thunderstruck by something? Have you ever been thunderstruck for that matter? When was the last time or have you ever been, been so overwhelmed with awe and, and wonder have you ever just been amazed at what was happening in that moment? That's exactly what happened 2,000 years ago on this particular Sunday. The 120 disciples were overwhelmed with amazement and awe, and it filled them up so much, that what God was doing in that moment, that it suddenly spread out to everybody in that city. Everybody knew something powerful was going down. Maybe it was the sound of that mighty rushing wind. That could be heard across the entire town. Maybe it was the sound of the disciples speaking in languages they'd never learned before, but they were fluent in them suddenly. Maybe it was that spiritual fire that landed on that church. Maybe it was that fiery sermon preached by Peter in that moment. But for whatever the reason, everybody in the city knew God was on the move. He was doing something spectacular. You see, up until that point, on Pentecost Sunday, you kind of came together with your family and your friends, and you just celebrated what God had done in the past. Well, on this particular Pentecost Sunday, God says, no, no, it's all about what I'm doing right now in the present. See, on Pentecost Sunday, back in the day, you'd come together, this 50th day of the celebration, and you would, you would kind of talk about how God entered into a relationship with you. Back in the day, Mount Sinai, the desert, the law, isn't it so wonderful what we read about? And on this Pentecost Sunday, God says, stop reading about it and experience it for yourself. See, on Pentecost Sunday, that 50th day, you came together, you thank God for the harvest and all those things. God says, it's not about the harvest anymore. It's about the Holy Spirit. He forever changed Pentecost Sunday. They'd been celebrating it for hundreds and hundreds of years, but on that day, the celebration took on a totally different understanding. And this is no small thing, church. This is the Holy Spirit that we're talking about here, right? The Holy Spirit, kind of like the Ohio State, right? The Miami University, the Holy Spirit. This is the same Spirit that empowered Moses and Joshua and Daniel. This is the same spirit that brought wisdom and authority to the judges, that changed Saul's life, that infused King David. 
This is the same spirit that rested on Jesus and literally raised him from the dead. That spirit, that same one, is now available to you. He now wants to live and breathe and move in you. It's no longer something that you read about, something that you reflect on. It's now a relationship that you have. The harvest, that's fine. Great, thank you, God, for the harvest. Bring on the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost is about now. This spirit, man, this is the helping hand of heaven itself. This is the one who can convict you of sin and convince you Jesus is your Savior. He is the one who can move you and motivate you to speak and to share and to serve in places and to people you would never otherwise do that for. This Holy Spirit, he's the great gift giver. He's the great fruit bearer. He's the comforter, healer, counselor, advocate, seal, divine deposit, intercessor. That God, that power is available to you. He's in you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And see, in the days of old, he would show up from time to time. He would kind of come in, crash the party, and then take off. But now he says, I'm here to stay. I want to reside in you, permanent residence in you. And this announcement, this, this new reality, this should overwhelm us. This should leave us thunderstruck. I love how author Annie Dillard said it. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so casually invoke every week in church or every time we pray? Or as I suspect, does anyone actually believe a word of it? Churches are like children playing on the floor with what seems like a harmless little tool set or chemistry set when they are holding sticks of TNT. It's madness to wear a lady's straw hat to church. We should be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares, not bulletins. They should strap us down to these seats because the sleeping God may wake up, or better yet, the waking God may just move. And he moved 2,000 years ago on Pentecost Sunday. And the promise was he would move in that way every single day after that. Like the song says, though, right? When you move, you compel us to move. When you move, you, you force us to move as well. That's exactly what Peter said when he stood up and talked to the crowd that day. Acts 2.32, God has raised this Jesus to life. We're all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and now he has poured out on you what you see and hear. In other words, Peter stands up because everybody's thunderstruck. Everybody's in awe and amazed at what is going down and what is happening. And Peter says, you know that Jesus guy? You know that, that Jesus guy, the one that everybody was talking about for so many years? You know that guy? You know the one who helped so many people and, and healed so many people? You know the one who taught so many wonderful things and who, and who transformed so many wonderful things? You know the one who challenged the saints and, and loved and embraced and touched the sinners? You know that guy? The one that some of you criticized? The one that some of you convicted? The, the one that some of you condemned to death? You know that guy? The one you hung on a tree and put in a tomb? That guy? Yeah, he's alive and well. He's actually alive and better than ever. And not just that, but now that Jesus has the power, he has the right, he has the desire to take his life, life now and eternal, and to put it in you. 
He has the desire to take all that he was, all that he did, all that he forever will be, and place it directly into you. Are you with me, church? Jesus, because of what he did, now wants to do that for us. The spirit that moved through him, the spirit that rested on him, the spirit that raised him can now be your spirit, can now be the spirit that is inside of you. When the people heard this, the story continues, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, brothers, what do we do about this? What shall we do then? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. This promise, this power, it's for you and all your children and all who are far off. For all whom the Lord calls, he will honor this promise. See, the the scripture makes it clear. The work, the ministry, the presence of the Holy Spirit, it was not just reserved for the church back in the day. It was reserved for this church today. The work of the Holy Spirit was not just something that we, that we kind of talk about for the first group of Christians. It's available for you right now if you are a Christian, when you become a Christian. It's all possible now for all people. That's the amazing work of Jesus. He made what, what we saw in him. He made what was possible in him. He made this new life, this new connection to God, this new existence, if you will, and he made it possible for all people. You've got to have the Holy Spirit, though. And I hope that, just like the people that Peter was talking to, I hope our response as we hear this, I mean, I don't know if I'm saying it well or communicating it adequately to you, but I hope your response is like, I'm in. What do I got to do? Like, how do I get in on that myself? Like, what's the next step? Pastor Thomas, what, 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 what should I do then in response to this? Jesus, who I thought was this, is actually this. And he's alive and well. Jesus, who I thought was dead, is actually alive. Jesus, who I thought was rather powerless, is actually all powerful. The life that I thought, no. no. What should I do? What should I do with the promise that that power is now available to me? What do you do with that? What do you do in light of that? Well, the answer is the same. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Repent be baptized, and receive the gift. It's that simple. See, those three things, that's how you position yourself for Pentecost. That's how you position yourself to experience and to be flooded by and with the Holy Spirit of God himself. You repent. You turn back to God. You acknowledge that your brokenness and sinfulness have distracted you and deterred you from God. You admit to yourself that that you've made a mess of things, that you filled your life with stuff that doesn't really satisfy you, that will never ultimately save you. You confess you've gone your own way, and that way is basically a one-way road to your own destruction. You own up to the fact you don't know really how to do this thing called life. And when you die, you have no idea what's coming after this life. You admit to all of these things. You come to terms with your neediness, your brokenness, the fact that you need to be saved. And then you... Confess to the fact that Jesus can do all of that and then some. Then you're baptized and you take a step of faith that is symbolic but also supernatural. And that you are connecting yourself and participating in the the water that we see running throughout the entire biblical narrative. From, From creation to Noah and the flood to the Red Sea to participating in the death, burial, and resurrection. When you go through the cleansing waters of baptism, you are saying, God, take it all. You're saying, bring it on. 
Bring it on, God. I want to be washed by you. I want to be clothed by you. I want to submit myself to you. I want to live in you. And then you receive the gift. You come out of that water totally new. And your hands are open and your heart is open. And you say, God, give me the Holy Spirit. Give me the greatest gift that you could ever give to me. The greatest gift of of your love. Pour out, pour into me your breath, your life, your power, your presence. And so this morning on on Pentecost Sunday, we thought if if that's what it takes, if that's how God responds, if that's what God wants us to do in order to to, to partner with him and to tap into his power, then we're going to do it. If it was good enough for Pentecost Sunday 2,000 years ago, then it's good enough for Pentecost Sunday right now. We're going to repent. We're going to be baptized. And we're going to pray that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity to repent. It's a big churchy word. I know most of us are kind of like, ah, I just don't like the sound of that word. We see it on signs on the street corners, right? The bullhorn guy on the, on the, 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 the preacher, street preacher, repent, repent. Repent means turn back. Turn back to God. So we're going to give you a chance to do that. Hopefully when you walked in, you were given a little, little blank card. That, that card is designed to give you a chance to write down the things that are messing up your life, that are consuming and overwhelming your life. If you don't want to write them on that card, that's fine. You don't have to. You can just take some, take some time to pray over those things. But we'd love for you to be honest about what is consuming your life and ultimately destroying your life. I want you to, to think about what is, what is tearing your life apart? What is it that you kind of uh, gravitate towards that, it, that is somewhat selfish, that is somewhat sinful? Write it down by name. Be honest. Be specific. Be specific. If you feel comfortable with it, write your name on that card. Thomas. Lust. Thomas. Greed. Thomas, pride, write it down. Repent. Be honest with what is destroying you. And then we're going to collect those cards here in a few minutes. And we're going to say, God, here it is. This this is what we have to offer you. This is the direction that we're going, but we want to go in a different direction. We want to go in the direction that you're going. If you're struggling to think about what your sins and your shortcomings are, well, just ask someone around you. Chances are someone who you're with this morning, they can tell you pretty quick what should be on that card. But I'm going to invite Kim and the crew uh, to come on up. We're going to sing a few songs. We're going to turn the lights down a little bit lower. We're going to give you a chance to repent, to come to terms with where you are, come to terms with who you are, come to terms with what you've been doing and the direction that you've been headed. And I hope that you'll take a few minutes and confess to anything and everything that's, that's consuming you, from your porn addiction to your materialism your anger, your apathy, your short-sightedness, your selfishness. I don't know what it is for you, but you do. And I pray that you will write it down on that card or that you'll lift it up to the Lord in the next few minutes during these songs. Go ahead and grab a seat. You know, in our hands, if we filled those cards out, man, there's some ugly stuff on that, on that thing. Even if you didn't fill out a card, you just know that in our hearts, there's just this, this sinfulness, this selfishness, this short-sightedness that just resides in this place. And I love the songs they were singing. Right, we just run away from that stuff. But you're running away from yourself. Good luck. Good luck with that. You're never going to run anywhere where you can, you can get away with that stuff. What you got to do is you got to give that stuff up. You got to give that stuff over. That's what repentance and confession is all about. So we're going we're gonna to take an offering here. I'm going to ask the guys to come forward. I might be doing this out of order. I apologize. But um, what I want you to do is I want you to place that card in that offering plate. Because God wants that stuff that's on that card. He wants you to give it to him. Man. 
That's the amazing thing about our God. You don't have to hide from him any longer. You don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed of the things on that card. You can just say, Lord, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am, and so I give it to you. We talk about an offering. If that's what you have to offer, then offer it up. Give it to him. Take your cards and place them in those plates. We as a staff will be praying over those cards so diligently over the next couple of days and weeks and just say, Lord, take this brokenness and make something beautiful out of it. This is who we are as a church. This is who we are as a family, as individuals. Take it and do something powerful. If you want to put large checks in that plate as well as they go by, we wouldn't stop you, okay, from doing that. So we'll do this as our regular offering. But from the good to the bad, from the things that we want to share to the things we hope nobody will ever find out about, let's just ask God to to take those things. This is what we have to offer to him this morning. God, you're an amazing God. We no longer have to hide from you. We no longer have to be afraid of you. We no longer have to keep things secret or try to cover up what's really going on in our life. That's what Adam and Eve did, Lord. But on the cross, that all changed. On the cross, you made us free. Free to be honest. Free to confess. Free to tell you and ourselves and others what's really going on deep in our hearts and in our darkest secret moments, God. And so we give to you all of those things right now. We give you our money. We're proud of that. We're excited about that. We love to share our blessings with others and with you, and so we give those things to you, but we also give our sin to you. We also give the things that we're ashamed of. We also give you the, the mess that we've made in this life. We just give it over to you, God, and we just say, this is, this is what I got. This is all I have, so take it. Take it and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The next thing that Peter called the crowds to do that day was to be baptized. If you take a look throughout scripture, you will see that a new life, a better life, a God-filled life, a spirit-infused life, it's always connected somehow to water, right? From the chaotic waters at the beginning of time where the spirit came in and breathed life to the waters of baptism where Jesus himself experienced the spirit to the dove flying out over the waters at the flood to show that there was a new life possible to the spirit of God being called the living water by Jesus himself baptism this this ceremony this moment this watery grave if you will has always been this intricate part of what it means to experience the life of God and the love of God And so this morning, we've got about 15 people or so that have expressed an interest in being baptized, in jumping into the water, feet first, if you will, to say to God, I'm all in. Have your way. I want you to cover me and clothe me. I want you to wash me and cleanse me through baptism. I want you to do that now, God. So we're super excited about those 15 people. I'm going to ask those who are being baptized to come on back, uh, get changed up. David and the crew, those guys, why don't you get ready to rock? This morning, I want to tell you about first service. At the 8.30 service, we meet over in the chapel, and there was an older lady, I think in her early 80s, who wanted to be baptized this morning. But she was so frail and so uh, timid, so scared of of being uh, immersed in the water that she asked if we could find another way to do it. And so so we did. We just simply had a little cup of water, and and we poured it on her forehead and and tried to clean up the mess uh, afterwards. But an 82-year-old woman, I believe, just this morning said, God, I need you, and I want more of you. And that's the cry of your heart this morning. It's a pretty powerful cry. No matter if you're two, which we're glad our little ones are with us. Hello, guys. Glad you're here today. Or whether you're all the way up to 82, I want you to say, God, I want you, I need you. 
and I would love to experience more of it. That's what these folks are going to say uh, here in just a few minutes. All right, so we've got a bunch of baptisms hanging in there. It's going to get wet. It's going to get nasty. It's kind of the splash zone right here. All right, so just watch out. When they get real excited, you might get wet in this area, but I'm, that's okay. Uh, we'll have David and a bunch of folks baptizing different people this morning. So let's celebrate and, and get excited about that. David, come on up. Repent, Peter said. Be baptized, Peter said. And then he said, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we want to end this series, end this day, end this service, end it all with an opportunity for you to do just that. See, in James 4.2, we read this. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. And that applies to so many different things when it comes to the Lord. But it really applies when it comes to the Holy Spirit. See, every Christian has the Spirit. When you, when you stand there and make a profession of faith, saying that Jesus is Lord, you have the Holy Spirit. You have to in order to say that. The Scripture makes that clear. It also makes it clear, and Jesus made this clear himself, that every Christian is gifted with the Holy Spirit upon their conversion and their change from life to death. But the Scripture also makes it clear, in addition to all those other things, that there are levels of experiencing the Holy Spirit. There are different depths that you can probe when it comes to your intimacy, your connection to, your relationship with the Spirit. The Bible talks about the fullness of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's more than just a little bit of Spirit you have at the beginning. There is more available to you. And so this morning, we want you to to have an opportunity to ask God for more of the Holy Spirit. Hopefully over the last couple of weeks and months in our series, you've seen the reason why you should want him, the reason why you desperately need him, the reason why you should cry out for him every day. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We want to give you a chance to cry out uh, this morning. So I've asked a couple of friends that I know, uh, that I love, and that who I believe have an intimate connection with, an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, to to make themselves available. I'm going to ask you guys to kind of spread out. Go ahead and stand up and find your spot Got some friends down front, some, some friends will be in the back. Maybe somebody can run upstairs and, uh, and pray over you there. But I want you to take an opportunity over the next two songs to find one of these people and to ask them to pray for you and over you in the Spirit. I want you to ask them to help you to receive a special gift of the Spirit, if that's a desire of yours. To grow in your expression and experience of the fruits of the Spirit, if that's a desire of yours. To just have an intimate, close connection, to be filled with him, to be baptized by him. Ask these people to do that. Now, here's the thing about this request. Every single person in this room should run up to these folks right now. Right? We could all say yes and amen and please, I want some more to that request. We don't have time for everybody to come down front. So if you want to pray with the people around you, I encourage and challenge you to do just that. But ask God to send the Spirit into this place and into your life like he did on this day several thousand years ago. Help it to go from a discussion to an experience, from a God you kind of know about and talk about to a God you encounter. That's our prayer. That's our hunger. That's our hope this morning. Let me lead us in a prayer as we move into that time. Father, we pray that you will send your spirit upon us. We pray that your powerful presence will become a reality. Many of us have never been baptized in the spirit. We've never been clothed, overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that those folks will make their way forward this morning that they will, with arms up, say, bring it on. More of you, God. Less of me and more of you. We pray that certain people will receive special gifts in the Spirit in this moment. We pray that certain people will begin to experience the fruits of the Spirit in even greater ways. 
We pray, God, that, that some people will receive a word from you in the Spirit that will encourage and challenge and, and help them to, to continue moving forward, God. Whatever it is that your Spirit can do, everything your Spirit can do, have him do it now in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.